0: Hey, everybody, thank you once again for tuning in to These Present Days, a podcast via the Unusual Place. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today that we live in because we we're born for this stuff and this time and these things that are going on in this age in the midst of humanity, that we are existing and not just surviving, but thriving. I thank you, Lord God, for enabling us to live free in the middle of bondage, to live free when people are enslaved and in chains all around us, to live free and to shun anything that tries to take away our freedom and enslave us to anything, and we willfully devote and dedicate ourselves unto you. We are your bondservants and no others. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So, um, what we're going to tackle is the true cost of freedom. You know, Martin Luther King has given credit for his statement, you know, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty we're free at last. And it was a faith statement, you know, it was uh, premature uh, as far as the actual landscape having produced uh, that kind of freedom for his people and for all people. Um, You see, if all aren't free, nobody's free. If there isn't justice for all, there's justice for no one. And we need to understand we're so interconnected like this with all the peoples of the earth, that we grow together with and grow up with and, and have seen all around us on our journey through life. And so, and so, what does it really mean to be free? You know, from innocent men and women that are incarcerated for the majority of their lives all the way to Americans traveling overseas to find themselves imprisoned in a foreign land and virtually everything in between. Freedom is a real treasure that we tend to take for granted until it's gone. But what about the rest of us in our everyday lives? Are we truly living free? Listen, some of the things I just mentioned are headlines. There's a a woman named Bitly Griner that's over in Russia because Brittany um, traveled over there, wanted to travel over there, thinking just like a lot of patriots think that other countries in this world are gonna treat them with under the same rights that we have constitutionally over here, or supposedly constitutionally over here, because look at, look at, look at. even though she's there and she's been held there for several months now, and she's hoping for some kind of a of a extradition and some kind of a release, uh, a trade of prisoners from the u s. to Russia and things like this, she's pleading for that, and she knows what it means now to lose her freedom, you know, but uh, the freedom that she thought that she had, and a lot of us think that we have, we really don't. We really don't have those kinds of freedoms, because we have the freedom to get drunk, but then when you're drunk, you're enslaved to the experience of that alcohol, what it's going to put you through. We have the freedom to do other things, you know, that are borderline legal, mainly You know, things that aren't legal, like protesting. You know, protesting in this country, we can peacefully protest, like the January 6th thing that has this whole um, meeting going on, a kangaroo court, if you would, in Congress from a few select Democrats that are judging this with no, no voice from the other side. And they're were like a th- over a thousand people that they incarcerated went wherever they lived in this country by the FBI, you know how they're stationed in every state. They gathered them up and they've got them in jail and, and some of them have been there over 400 days and haven't had a trial yet and can't get bail because they call them insurrectionists and they did a lot of stupid things, of course. They trespassed upon government property. Of course, that's, that's illegal, that's not right. You know, but they've been labeled this way. And where is the assumption, quote unquote, that you're innocent until proven guilty? And so we see an injustice there, an injustice that took away their freedom. Some of them lost their property trying to pay for lawyers to get, you know, some kind of uh, back and forth between the court system, the legal system, you know, and there's no trial date that's been set for most of them. There's a few of them that have been able to expedite certain things, deals made, uh, plea bargains made, and stuff like this. But that's another sense of in the middle of a country, the land of the free, the home of the brave, in the land of the free, we got a lot of people that are not free. And also by the color of their skin, you know, like there's a lot of people back in, you know, a couple hundred years ago almost, that didn't have freedom for 400 years. And then when we set them free, we still tried to control them, you know, with the Jim Crow laws and all this kind of thing, and took away their freedom because they had to drink at a different drinking fountain, sit it in the back of the bus, can't ride on the same train as a bunch of white people, can't swim in the same swimming pool, can't eat in the same restaurants, I mean, all that kind of stuff. There was no freedom in that. And yet we called it free. And we call this the land of the free. I I know, I know. There's a lot of people that are protesting the flag. They take a knee to protest the flag. You know, they won't show any kind of homage to the flag or any kind of respect toward the flag. And what I what I see about that, I mean, they're trying to get somebody's attention. They're, I mean, make, get a press conference. Call some people and get a, a bunch of cameras and a bunch of microphones in front of your face and start telling your story. That's what you need to do. Because, you see, the Pledge of Allegiance, the... Songs, America the Beautiful, um, Old Glory the Songs, they're chock full of idealism. And if that idealism is ever gonna become realism, we have got to make some sounds and some noise and some movements about it. Um, Because it's hypocritical to a lot of people to go around and saluting and and singing and putting your hand over your heart, you know, for the flag that represents the country, that's the land of the free, and it's not free yet. It's not free yet. But if they understood it better, that this is a statement, it's a statement of faith. It's a statement that's a work in progress, and we need to have that. We have innocent projects that have been releasing prisoners that have been wrongfully convicted and, and spent many, many years in prisons all around this country. We see that all the time. We see, and and this is a a group of people, non-profit, you know, uh, tax-exempt, 501c3, that is getting people justice that they need, and at the same time, at the end of the justice is freedom. Hopefully, if they're still alive, to enjoy it. Um, Yeah, there was um, this story of this guy that was held captive in another country and we made a deal back in the previous administration to where uh, this, country, this country, North Korea, would release this guy and they held and they held and they held and they slow rolled it and they slow rolled it until the guy was so broken down and and because he's deprived of many, many things that are necessities in the prison. Finally they released him, half alive, he came back to the United States, saw his people and then died. And it's sad when you see stuff like that. And so just is dedicated and donated to that kind of situations in life that we are surrounded with. Um, And so what is freedom? Are we ever really truly free? What is freedom? Well, if Jesus holds the definition and the reality of freedom, being joined to Jesus would definitely be one definition of freedom. Um, Having Jesus as our Lord and Savior, having Jesus as our constant companion, having Jesus as our advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, comforter, having Jesus, because he is freedom. He embodies freedom. And we know how to obtain Jesus, surrendering your heart to Jesus. Because you see, we were born into sin. Sin is slavery. We're born as slaves unto sin, we're gonna sin. When we get old enough to sin, to do right and wrong, we're gonna choose wrong. We're gonna lean that way because we have that propensity built into our system. It's called the nature of sin that we all embody. And it courses through our veins, you know, like our blood does. You know, to where we get a temptation in front of us, nobody's looking, I can take it. I I I can put that in my pocket, nobody will see me or you know the temptation to do things that are illicit and sometimes problematic and sometimes dangerous for us to do. And so we go ahead and do it and we think that we're free. I'm expressing my freedom. I remember one time a woman tried to proposition me and this is back in the hippie times, you know, when the whole revolution was going on, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And I told her I was married. And she said, oh, you're in bondage. You're in bondage, me and my old man. She called her husband her old man. Hopefully it wasn't her father. She said, me and my old man, man, we have an open marriage. We have freedom. We can can see anybody we want. We can do anything we want to with him. We're free. And I leaned in and I said, no, you're not. You're enslaved to the sins and passions of your flesh, the compulsory things of your flesh that actually is being pretty selfish and can hurt people. I mean, you can tell me all you want that, well, we're both okay, we're both okay. Yeah, just see how long that lasts. Just see how long that goes. Anyway, another story. And so, how do we spot the real truth? Because we can be enslaved by lies and misconceptions and and uh, they call it miscommunication, but we know that if it's on purpose, it's not just miscommunication, because miss the first three letters Uh, or four letters, M-I-S-S. It means or it construes the meaning of whoops, an accident, a slip-up, you know, miscommunication, oops, whoops, whoops. No, not when they propagandized and they planned it and they premeditated. No, it's not a whoops. And so we need to be able to tell the truth from the lies, the real from the deception. And how do we do that? We have to become familiar and have a relationship with the real. With the truth, Jesus says, I'm the way, I am the truth, I am the life that you're looking to live. I am the way that you need to go. I am the truth, okay, that's the ultimate reality. I am the truth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The life he represented was the life of God. And so no one comes to the Father except through me. So you can think of a million ways to come to the Father. There's only one way, it's through Jesus. And so we need to look at God's word as a standard of life. It's a standard that needs to be held up. It's a standard that everything needs to be measured to. If we're truly gonna live free, because God isn't involved in capturing people and enslaving them to some book of rules and regulations. Some people think that that's God. No, that was man, fallen man, making religions where God doesn't want no religion, he wants relationships making up religions and controlling people's minds and propagandizing and lying and deceiving so you can control them because there's power in controlling people, power in people moving in your direction, whichever way it may be. So, how do we see the truth from the lies and the deception? We find it in the relationship with Jesus. We hear it in what he says to us through the words of Jesus all through the New Testament. And all through the pages of the Bible, because Jesus was the manifested personification in flesh, living Word of God, and He walked this earth for 33 and approximately 33 and a half years, and gave His life to save us. But He is the embodiment of the entire volume of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, and everything in between. And so, listening and watching and, 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 and paying attention and and, and seeing with our eyes the things that he says in the books of wisdom, in the, in the Proverbs of the, you know, the great King Solomon, son of David, and of the Psalms of David that came before that, and the books of Ecclesiastes and, 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 and other wisdom literature, in the, even the New Testament, like the book of James and stuff, even though James isn't Jesus, James was the brother of Jesus. And he's got some wisdom over there in the book of James, way over to the right in the Bible. So, this, the scriptures, the scriptures are full of the personality, the persona, or the mentality and the characteristics of God, the Father, and his Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. The Father is the Father of Truth. Jesus is the truth. So, know Jesus, you'll know the truth. N-O, Jesus, N-O to the truth. Simple as that. And so these are things that we need to have in place going forward, you know, because the truth of the matter is anybody going to a foreign country that disregards their laws, unless you're an American ambassador in that country where ambassadors can live under the laws of the country that sent them. And so some people must think that they're some kind of an ambassador, you know, to other countries. Um, Yeah, I mean, if you do things that are against, you know, we were told when I went to communist Cuba and I went there to preach and I did preach and they have a registered church and they have an underground church. And I preached in both of them. And the underground church, we met stealthily in places where the communists spies couldn't find us, and there was word of mouth last second, and things like this. But I I was instructed, not even in those, not even in those situations and settings, do you bring up the word revolution? Because we could talk about revolution, a revolution that got us started, a revolution of setting people free. You don't bring that up in a communist country. You don't bring that up there. And so I did all the things that they told me to do that were you know, to, to, to fit the customs and the cultures that I was dealing with. And it's, you know goes for other countries as well. I've been to Denmark, I've been to Africa, I've been to Australia, I've been to Canada, I've been in a lot of places, I've been to England. You got you to adapt to the cultures there. So we go willy-nilly into other countries and think our freedom, you know, we, I, I'm, I'm entitled to freedom of speech. I can tell you what I think. I can give you my opinion. Um, well, we used to be able to do that in this country, but we don't even do that in this country anymore because they will censor you. They will castigate you. They will crucify you on social media. And so we're wising up a little bit, but then this woman, this Brittany Griner, I feel for her. You know, but she knew, you know, taking that little package of a flask of oil, of hashish, so she can mellow out and smoke that, Um, it's not going to fly in Russia. And so they caught her. And here she is a... You know, world champion, WNBA star, um, an amazing basketball player. Doesn't mean anything to them over there. And so they kept her in in prison for a while. And we've had other people, like I mentioned, that was in North Korea and stuff like that. Um, Innocent people that are incarcerated, all the way back to like Reuben Carter. There's a movie made about that. Um starring Denzel Washington and Reuben Carter, and uh, how he was a a boxer back in the 50s, I believe. 50s or 60s, and he was wrongly accused of murder, convicted of murder, put to prison, and they got him out of prison when he was an old man. And uh, that was the innocent project I spoke about earlier. And he finally found freedom. But even if it's, even if you're incarcerated, If you have Jesus on the inside of your heart, you're still gonna have your freedom because you don't belong to that country even though they locked you down. You don't belong to anybody but God because that's who you gave yourself to. And so to truly live free as Jesus did, not swayed by society, religion, health, politics, money, houses, cars, um, we need to check how we're living in our true freedom when we have those things, that we don't get too sloppy and willy-nilly about it and take our freedom for granted, or when we don't have those things and we're trying to get those things because that's the American way. Um, Am I going to jeopardize my freedom in trying to acquire those things? And so we gotta question things and examine things and, and use the wisdom of God at all times. So how do you check if you're living in true freedom. How do you check? Okay, are you afraid? Are you afraid? Do you have any phobias? You're not free. Hmm, you're not free. You're under tyranny of, of something that scares you and you're not free. And so how do you check? You know, you just see how free you are in all areas and aspects of life. And you start to see things, you like you're concerned. You put another word on it. It's a nice and tidy word called concern. And so you're concerned that you might lose this or you might lose that. And you're a little bit paranoid. You You become a little bit legalistic, a little bit paranoid. Like I said before, but not just the paranoid where you're just shaking in your boot, paranoid. But the paranoid is making arrangements to steer around things instead of addressing them. I mean, if you have fear and you know it, you recognize it, that certain things bother you and concern you and worry you and stress you, well, then hit it head on. Get the Word of God on it. Get the Word of God. God wants to set you free. You know, that's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's in John eight thirty two. You shall know the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus. And the truth will make you free. Make... Make is progressive, Making, like if you're making dinner, you don't just all of a sudden snap your fingers and dinner is made, you're making it, it's a process. And so as your enlightenment comes, so your freedom comes. You know, little by little, as you gain more of the truth and understanding of your freedom, the freer you get. And so how to check your freedom, and examine your freedom. And so how does faith have a place and play a role in our freedom? Hmm. Well, faith is the opposite of fear. You think faith is the opposite of doubt. No, faith is the opposite of fear. Because faith attracts what God has promised. Fear attracts what the devil has promised. Because he's promised to kill, steal, and destroy. He's promised you know, that if you do this, this will happen, if you do that, that, and he's holding that over your head causing you to lose out on life because you're not willing to find out what the truth is and live according to the truth because the truth will make you free and make you freer and freer the more truth that you understand. But if your mama tells you stuff like, you know, don't cross the street, don't ever cross that street, No, 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 don't you ever go even near the street. Stay away from the sidewalk next to the street. Stay on the lawn. Don't ever go to the sidewalk. Don't ever go to the street. You will stay, you know, if you're if you if you get the fear of mama into you, you'll stay on the on on the grass. You won't walk to the sidewalk. You won't walk to the street. Then later in life, when she says, "I want to teach you how to go and get on the bus when it comes right in front of your house," I want you to walk to the sidewalk. I want you to cross the sidewalk, take a one step or two steps on the street, and go up inside the bus. And I want you, you know, if you're going to cross the street and go play at Johnny's house, make sure that you cross. You see, Mama's got to change the rules as she goes because she was so afraid of you getting bumped by a car. She put all those we we call those um, they call those barriers, um, safety barriers like that, to keep people away. But they're also mental blocks that we're putting in people's way because we don't want them to go out of bounds. We don't want them to risk, you know, being hurt. And they don't have any freedom—freedom freedom to choose for themselves, freedom to look both ways and see there's no cars coming, freedom to take them and run and just start running across the street. Sometimes you might miss a car, you know, and that car will have to stop for you. And you know, God is going to pr- pr- provide and protect, you know. But you know, you, you get you get the stages in your life where you get some information, you get some knowledge, you get some truth on the matter that there's cars there, and you got to look out for them because sometimes they don't see you. And so you look both ways, not just one way. And you don't get in a hurry and you run across. You know, you don't get in a hurry to try to, you know, look back and forth real quick and really don't look carefully. And so all that stuff, you know, goes, factors into having the freedom to walk from one side of the street to the other without a crosswalk, to walk from one side of the street straight across the street to Johnny's house without a crossing guard. What a novel idea. I have a little bit of freedom here. But we have other things that get built into us over the span of our lives that limit our freedoms and take away our freedoms. And I'm not talking about when you violate the freedoms of others, you know, such as when the laws of the land for a civic civilization to live civilized with each other is considering the treatment of all folks, including you. And so when you violate those things, you're violating the rights of other people. Thus, you're going to forfeit your own freedom, your own rights. You know, nobody wants to go to prison. But if you break the law and you hurt somebody and you violated and trespassed against their freedoms, well, then you're going to lose your freedom. Simple as that. So, John chapter 8. I quoted verse 32. Let's go look at the whole uh, section of scripture about freedom, starting in verse 31 in the Passion Translation. John chapter 8. 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach you, you prove that you are my true followers. Verse 32. For if you embody or embrace, if you embrace the truth, it'll release true freedom into your lives. Verse 33, surprised by this they said, but we're the descendants of Abraham and we're already free. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say that we will be released into more freedom? Verse 34, I speak eternal truth, Jesus said. When you sin, you are not free. You become a slave in bondage to your sin. Verse 35, and slaves have no permanent standing in a family like a son does. For a son is part of the family forever. And so he's implying that sons of the family are free. Verse 36 So if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son and be unquestionably free. Wait a minute, wait. A minute. The first part of this is referring to the capital S O N, the son being Jesus. So if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son, small s, and be unquestionably free. Ooh. Oh, he's playing off of verse 35. And slaves have no permanent standing in a family like a son does, a son, small capital, I mean, small, small case, like a son does. For a son is a part of the family forever. Okay, I understand there's a difference between a son and a slave. So if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son. That's up to you. To become a true small case, S-O-N, and be unquench, unquench, unquestionably free. Even though you are descendants of Abraham, verse 37 says, you desire to kill me because the message I bring has not found a home in your heart. Yet the truths I speak I have seen and received in my father's presence. But you are doing what you've learned from your father. Uh-oh. What do you mean? They replied in verse 39. Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you are really Abraham's sons, then you would follow in the steps of Abraham. Ooh. Verse 40. I've only told you the truth that I've heard in my father's presence, but now you're wanting me dead. Is that how Abraham acted? Verse 41. No. You people are doing what your father has taught you. Inde- indignant. Indignant, they responded. What are you talking about? We only have one father, God himself. We're not illegitimate. Verse 42, Jesus said, then if God would really was really your father, you would love me, for I've come from his presence. I didn't come on my own, but God sent me to you. Verse 43, why don't you understand what I say? You don't understand because your hearts are closed to my message. Verse 44, you are the offspring of your father, the devil, and you serve your father very well passionately carrying out his desires. He's been a murderer right from the start. He never stood with the truth for he's full of nothing but lies. Lying is his native tongue. He is a master of deception and the father of lies. But I am the true prince who speaks nothing but the truth. Yet you refuse to believe and you want nothing to do with me. Verse 46. Can you name one sin that I've committed? Then if I'm telling you only the truth, why don't you believe me? Verse 47, if you really knew God, you would listen, receive, and respond with faith to his words. But since you don't listen and respond to what he says, it proves you don't belong to him and you have no room for him in your hearts. Remember where he started? He started way back with this to the Jews. In verse 31, he said to them who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach you, you prove that you are truly my followers. For if you embrace the truth, it'll release true freedom in your lives." Wow. And so Jesus is the source of freedom. So how do I get a hold of this freedom? You get a hold of Jesus. How do I understand this freedom? Understand Jesus. How do I walk in this freedom? Walk in the way Jesus instructed us to walk. Look at Romans chapter six. Paul the Apostle has a revelation about this subject. Romans chapter six, starting in verse 17. Passion translation again. And thanks be to God for the past, or excuse me, thanks be to God for in the past, you were servants of sin, but now your obedience is heart deep and your life is being molded by truth through the teachings you are devoted to. Verse 18, and now you celebrate your freedom From your former master's sin, you've left its bondage and now God's perfect righteousness holds power over you as his loving servants. Verses 22 and 23, same chapter, verse 6, 22 and 23. But now, as God's loving servants, you live in joyous freedom. You See that? It's kind of a contrast. As loving servants, you live in freedom. Servanthood sounds like slavery. But servanthood is something that the servant chooses to do, not the master, the, the elite, you know, the rich, the powerful, um, grabbing you and taking you away and making you do something you don't want to do. You chose right here the offer that God has given you on the table of being in relationship with him, being permanently joined together with him, being set free from your sin, which controlled you. God's not a controlling God. You can walk away from Him anytime you want. The point being is that when you get to know Him, you don't want to walk away from Him. You want to hang on to Him tighter and tighter. And so, it says in the middle of verse 23, "...so consider the benefits you now enjoy. You are brought deeper into the experience of true holiness that ends with eternal life." Verse 23, "...for sin's meager wages is death." But God's lavish gift is eternal life found in your union with our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And so once again, in verse 22, but now as God's loving servants, or I'll put it like this, but now as God's servants of love, you live in joyous freedom from the power of sin. Because sin is selfish and love is selfless. Sin looks out for the best of others, while self looks out for the best of numero uno, you, me. And so, verse 22 again from the Passion Translation, but now as God's servants of love, I'm I'm just flipping the words a little bit, servants of love, you live in joyous freedom. You want to live in freedom? Be servants of love. Servants of love. The Bible says God is love. If you're serving God, you're the servant of love. And love sets you free. There's no bondage in love. It sets you free. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Real quick, I'm just going to read it. New Living Translation. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Hmm. I love the way that the New Living Translation puts it. And because you belong to Him, how do I get to belong to Him? I give myself to Him. I surrender myself to him, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit, or the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, as it says in most translations, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I'm free from that power. I'm free from that power. I'm free from that power that leads me to sin and unto death. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. I'm going to read from different translations. Go ahead and turn there. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. At last, we have freedom. This is a passion translation. For Christ has set us free. We must always cherish this truth and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. The complete Jewish Bible says it this way. What the Messiah has freed us for is freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't let yourselves be tied up again to a yoke of slavery. So it's your choice. Therefore, stand firm and don't let... Those are choice and willpower words right there. Don't let it happen. Don't Don't, don't cave into it. Don't compromise. Don't let. Don't let yourselves be tied up again to the yoke of slavery. So what the Messiah has freed us for the way the Jewish translation puts it, what the Messiah has freed us for, is for freedom. What's that mean? We have been set free to set other people free. Once we learn how to be free, every every moment that we continually get more and more free, that we are understanding the truth and the application thereof, we're living more and more free, we need to unlock other people with what God has unlocked us, us with, with the revelation that he's given us, because you shall know progressively, incrementally the truth, and the truth will progressively and incrementally give you and reward you with your freedom. Galatians five 13, let's look down to verse 13, beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Constantly love each other and be committed to serve one another. We keep getting that word serving in there because our servanthood is a free life because we chose it. We didn't get shoved into it. We didn't get ripped away from our mother and our father because we were bought and paid for at an auction and then put to work on somebody's plantation and all my rights were taken away. No. In God, we chose to come to Him to receive all of our rights being given back. Our right to not sin. Our right to not cave in and be tyrannized by the evil. In Galatians 5.14, the next verse down, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 15. Or excuse me, chapter three, verse 15. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 15. Once again, the Passion Translation says, so until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. What's he talking about? He's talking in second Corinthians three about the laws of Moses that was handed down from Moses to the children of Israel that put them into the bondage of keeping the Ten Commandments. And it didn't save them and rescue them and remove them from their sin. They still sinned like crazy, maybe even more than ever. And yet God was trying to make a way for them to connect with him because he couldn't save them yet because the time appointed for his savior, our savior, wasn't yet. Still, God had to let them work through things that they had to work through until the fullness of time came and then God gave his son born of a virgin. And thus, the story of Jesus begins. So, in verse 15 again, so until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. Paul's talking to the church in Greek, in Greece, in the Greek language, and he's using the Greek words for these things, and wherever I need to translate it, if it's not translated properly or or understood properly, I will, but he's writing to the city out about 30 miles um, away from Athens, Greece, where they had the Olympics not too long ago, in the beginning of this 21st century. In 2004, the Olympics took place in Athens, Greece. Not too far away is Corinthia, Greece. And so, to the letter, in, I mean, in the letter to the church of Corinth, Paul the Apostle is addressing them. And so, they didn't get the law, but people were trying to give them the law after the fact in their Christianity, which was jamming them up and keeping them from being truly free. And so, we've got to watch for this as well in our Christianity, because even though the Bible says, Uh, in the Old Testament that we are commanded to tithe, we are commanded to tithe in the New Testament. We aren't breaking God's commands if we don't tithe in the New Testament. And God was given the command to tithe in the New Testament to the people who were not changed spiritually, they still had an evil heart, to the people that didn't have the Holy Spirit and an anointing, to the people that weren't given the words of God and the wisdom of God and what his his sayings are. They weren't given that yet. Nope, none of that. To the people that are trying to follow God but from a distance because they can't have a relationship with him until their hearts are changed. And their hearts can only be changed after Jesus' resurrection. So, he commanded them. A commandment is something about which you have no choice and from which you have no retreat. There's no, there's no dealing, there's no deal making. You know, there's no uh, settlement and compromise and understanding, quote unquote, between you and God because, because God kind of lets you go ahead and do this because you know, me and God got this deal work. No, no. Under law, it means you're under law. Were they free when they were under law? No, they were not. It was uh, the law pointed out how bound they were, how short they came of being able to keep the law. That was the reason. it was to point them to the need for a savior. They didn't think they needed anybody. That's why they were arguing with Jesus, we've never been enslaved. We've never and Jesus popped right up and said, you've been you've been slaves of sin' Even so, you don't have to. You don't have to be taken Babylonian captivity. You don't have to be taken, you know, Egyptian captivity. You don't have to be taken into any kind of man captivity to be in captivity. They were in captivity all the way until Jesus came, and that was the first time it was ever offered to them to be free, completely not captivated. When Jesus came to take away their sin, because greater than the captivity of any man, which has happened since Adam and Eve got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and under the captivity of his own sin, the impulses that that master over Cain, called sin, gave him, he followed it, and bowed his knee to it and killed his brother because of the impulses that he got from that slave master called sin. And from then on, war has been fought, people have lost life, people have fought for freedoms and some of the, the freedoms on the temporary level that's not even scratching the surface of God's level of freedom because the only way a person or a people group is going to be free is when their hearts are changed. You can put r- rules and laws in place and when they break them, put them in prison. They don't have their freedom. They're, they're not free then. You know They lost all their rights then because they violated other people's rights and broke the law. Okay, so you haven't, you haven't solved anything, you put a band-aid on it. You put a bandaid on cancer, that doesn't help anybody. You know, and you think you're solving it, you know, by throwing them into incarceration? I mean, one thing is helpful to the population that's trying to live decently and civilly is that there's not somebody on the street that was a mass murderer a few minutes ago. And so that been, that's been removed. And so there's some merit in it, but it doesn't have any solution, doesn't have any permanency to it. And so the only way that we can ever be free is by adhering to the lifestyle of Jesus. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. And through Jesus, we know the truth, and the truth makes us incrementally free. And so, so in our walk with Jesus, we're gaining, hopefully, gaining ground and gaining freedom all at the same time. Isn't that beautiful? You're not trying to focus on one or the other. It's all wrapped together. So Corinthians, 2 Corinthians excuse me, three fifteen again. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. Verse 16, but the moment... One turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted, and they see. Just take that mask right off their eyes. Verse 17, now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. Oh, I thought Jesus was Lord. No, not in this application. You see, Jesus is Lord over the church up in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He said, I'm going to send you another comforter, another helper, another companion, and he's going to be with you forever and he's talking to his church members, his body members. The body of Christ was in those disciples that were following him at the first and then they became one with him and united with him You know, in the spiritual new birth of their hearts. And they came into the same covenant that Jesus had with the Father on behalf of mankind. Well then Peter, James, John, Matthew, all these people came in to the, to the body of Christ. So the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see, verse 17, now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever He is Lord, there is freedom. So the Holy Spirit needs to be your Lord because He is your constant companion and counselor and guide and instructor. And He's called in the Bible the Spirit of Truth. Oh, Wow. This, this is not complex, people. This is all kinds of gingerbread down this trail. Jesus said, You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. You know, that's in 8.32. John 8.32. John 16.7. The Spirit of Truth. He talks about the Spirit of Truth coming. Who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy... I mean, you know, who is the, the Spirit of Truth? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is your Lord or your Master. And he says, When... He says, I'm referring to the Holy Spirit and wherever he is Lord. Wait, 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 wherever he's Lord, what's that mean? You see, Lord means master, means boss. Wherever he's treated that way, wherever he's in charge, wherever he's sitting in the big chair and you're sitting in the little chair, wherever he is out in front, there's going to be freedom. Verse 18. We can all draw close to him with one, with the veil removed from our faces, now through Jesus. And with no veil, we, are, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We're being transfigured into this very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, the Spirit, who is the Spirit. So, Jesus has strapped us to the Holy Spirit as a constant forever companion. And the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us into all truth. And the reason for him leading and guiding us into all truth is because he wants us to be all freed up. A Little bit of truth is a little bit of freedom. And so he wants us to understand how we can live free. And so we can't just willy-nilly around and You know, just have little pockets of what we're free from and stuff like this. You know, and keep our, you know, our freedom in other people's heads. You know, in other words, you know, you're looking over your shoulder because um, I don't want people to see me going over here and doing this. You know, going to church, being with these Christians, hanging out with these good people that are you know decent people. You know, because I'm I have a reputation amongst the people in the neighborhood here. I need to you know and and look at you. You're not free. Look at all the stuff you're processing with your neurons firing and not understanding how you're supposed to live and you're in bondage to your own thought patterns. And so where we think we're cool and where we think that you know, we're accepted in a, in a society that is upside down right now, in a world that is corrupt to the bone right now, in a, in a, in a place like this you want the accolades, the appreciation, the respect, of the people that are mixed up about genders, the people that are using drugs and medications, and the people that make up and they make believe that they can make up the truth that they call their truth to live by. They're so much in bondage, it's not even funny. Who wants to pick up after them? Who wants to go and follow that pathway? Down that drain or that toilet. In 1 Peter chapter 2, as God's loving servant, verse 16, I'm going to read two verses. As God's loving servants, see that? Loving servants. As God's loving servants, he says that a lot. Loving servants, you should live in complete freedom. Oh my gosh. When I'm not feeling like I'm free, I got to recognize I must have stepped out in a way from walking in love. You see, I need to live by faith and walk in love. Live by faith and walk in love. Faith is a lifestyle. Walk, uh, the walk is the expression of that lifestyle of faith. Live by faith, walk in love. Live by faith, walk in love. So, I want you to look at this again. Verse 16. So God, as God's loving servants, you should live in complete freedom, but never use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. In other words, like I said earlier, kind of facetiously, you know, like, well, me and God, we got, this, we got this worked out. Between me and God, you know, he's fine if I smoke my cigarettes, you know. He's fine. We have an understanding. Well, yeah, the understanding is, you ask God to bless your cigarettes, and at the same time you're taking an inhaling smoke into your lungs, which weren't built for smoke, And with carcinogenics, you know, with all the carbon fibers that are involved in the burning of the tobacco or or the hemp or whatever you're smoking. Sticking to your lungs, reducing its capacity to function, right? Cutting cutting it off from the circulation, which, which would clean the lungs out on a regular basis. Removing it from the happy mitochondrial connection with the other cells. When that starts to happen, cancer sets in. You understand that? Because the cells stop communicating, and what by communication, I don't mean talking. Sharing is what I mean. Sharing the nutrients, sharing the positive um, hormonal balances and stuff like this, sharing. It stops it. it. And you think you've got this thing worked out between you and God, you can keep this vice, and it's not going to bite you in the end? Uh, it's gonna bite you in the end. I guarantee you, double your money back, because it's got you enslaved. You're not free. You say you got it worked out, you know, because you know God gave you free will, and so I, me and God talked about it, and I, I said, well, I'm choosing, because I love tobacco, I love the flavor, I love the taste, I love the smell of tobacco. It could be anything, it could be anything. And uh, yeah, me and God, we have an understanding. No, you and you have an understanding. You can talk to God, about this thing being on the table and working through it, and you're only talking to yourself and pretending that God is there talking with you. Because if God was there talking to you and you were listening, you'd hear him say, no. Hell no. Because that's what you're going to get, hell on earth, if you go and do this to your body. Bible says in the New Testament, in the writings of Paul, that God defiles him who defiles himself. And so God's gonna let you go ahead and burn that thing at both ends, and you're gonna get smoked in the middle. So that's no freedom. You know, there's all kinds of different vices we can hang on to and justify and explain away and try to deal, this is willy-nilly. This is really called willy-nilly freedom. Verse 17 says, Recognize the value of every person and continually show love to every believer. Live your lives with great reverence and in holy awe of God. Honor your rulers. And so do we really have a holy awe of God? Do we really have a fear of God that's respectful to God? If we do, we're living by some of God's truth. You see, that's a part of the full volume of God's truth. Having a holy um, displeasure and dread of displeasing God. I don't want to ever displease Him. And so if I find something that that displeases Him, that I made excuses for, that I compromised about, you know, that I rationalized, um, you know, I'm not free. I've been hiding the fact that I'm bound to something and excusing it away by making up a storyline about me and God got an understanding you and God got no understanding except for His Word. And His Word wants you completely free. And so whatever it might be, come to grips with it, own it, repent for it, and get the freedom on it and get it off of your back, get the weight removed. And so we're living in a world with a lot of people that are in a lot of bondage and a lot of pain, a lot of hurt going on all around us. I mean, we have So much horrible things that are happening in this world that are deemed to be okay, beneficial, deemed to be legal, upright, deemed to be protected by our uh, litigations and legitimized by our legal system, either being silent about it and allowing it, and not constitutionally being resolved about it. Just like for almost 50 years, it was legal to abort babies all over this country and all around the world. Um, Do we think that the world taught us about abortion? No. We most likely are going to bear the brunt of the judgment of God for making it possible to abort children uh, all across the globe, uh, under the guise of Planned Parenthood, I don't know why you put "parent" in there. If you have somebody that's got six abortions and no children, and they go to Planned Parenthood, what's you know what's the misnomer about all that? You know what's the hi- what's the hypothetical hypocritical thing that has to do with that? Are you, are you kidding me? It's blatant. It's right in your face. Planned parentlesshood is what it should be. You're going there planning on not being a parent for a second here, and it might be once again because you got five kids already, you don't want number six to come into the world. But besides that, we have things like that. There was never a law that never came before Congress and was written into litigation, never passed to the Senate and passed from the Senate to the President of the United States and signed into law. It never was. That's why they're over, they were able to overturn it. Did they have plenty of time to write up those legislation, legis, um, write up the litigation of it? Yeah, they had plenty of time. Um, the Congress has gone back and forth: Republican Congress, Democratic Congress. You know, depending on the political party, which one favored, you know, having you know the abortions legalized and legitimized. You know, they never took up on it. They left it right there. And so, when it became possible. Somebody finally moved on it and the court, the Supreme Court said, I'm throwing it back to the states. I'm throwing it back to the people who vote their leaders into power over them. I'm giving them the chance to either vote it in or vote it out, and so it's up to the people. Before, people could just say, well, the government, the government, well, the government never, ever signed off on it as a law. It was never a law in the first place. Now it's going to have to go to litigation in the single states. So will abortion still be taking place? Of course they will. Of course they will. Will there be certain states that will absolutely forbid any kind of abortion and go really, really extreme on it? Uh, that's already happening, people. And so is that bondage? Is that, you know, lose lost or losing freedom? No. Um, it's freeing those children to go the natural course of entering the world as their destiny prescribes how's that for an answer to all of that mess so the world like i said is heaving back and forth all over the place i mean the world is is in the throes like it says in the bible it says the sea is roaring the sea is tossing to and fro the waves are going back and forth it was time in the time of jesus when he's walking on water when they're going across the sea of galilee in a boat you know and it says the seas were were being uh, tossed to and fro that's symbolic that's metaphorical that's telling you that in the times of Jesus, localized in the region that he was at, localized on the Lake of Galilee, is reflective of the people that are on the shores that he was going going to be meeting with and, 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 and teaching and walking in the midst and healing their people. They are messed up and they are in the throes of all of this stuff that's been holding them captive. Roman government, they weren't free then, the Roman government held them captive. I can't believe that the Jews didn't think that they were captive. They were occupied, you know, and they had quite a bit of freedom to, you know, do their work and, but the Roman, Roman soldiers could push them around, bully them. You know, they had tax collectors collecting their money and taking it and giving it to Rome and stuff like this. Um, They weren't really free. A lot of people, they settle for stuff and they call it freedom, but it's not really freedom. And so get it into your heart that God's got the market cornered on freedom. God's got the definition of what freedom looks like. And so don't try to mix that with you holding on to a few things that have got you. If something has got you, if something kind of pinches you on the inside if you think about getting rid of it or turning away from it or stopping it, well then it's got you. It's got you. It's got you and you're not free. And so, take the Word of God, the truth, the Word of God on the subject, whatever it might be, and apply accordingly and be free in the name of Jesus. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last.